Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Senator Marco Rubio. <laughs> that was good, Scott. That got a lot of attention. Yeah, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. my gosh. <laughs> that was so ridiculous. For those who don't know what we're talking about, Marco Rubio misidentified John Lewis, uh, who is the con- congressman and civil rights leader, legendary, who passed away and put a picture of Elijah Cummings, who also passed away. Uh, which wasn't a good look for him. I think he probably blamed it on a staffer, as he usually does. He's done this before. Um, and so Scott did a very funny tweet about me being Marco Rubio, which, you know, we don't look unalike. We don't look unalike, right? We're both good-looking brunettes. Brunettes, right. It's true. Um, it was interesting. It's just sort of you live by Twitter, you die by Twitter, and, and people were immediately on him. And it was, and so Scott took advantage <laughs> Pretty of the Pretty funny. Did you have, they, have, they were like... <laughs> I love my I love my junior senator or senior senator from Florida. They have a picture of Desi Arnaz. <laughs> just went yeah, everybody kind crazy. of dunked on him. They dunked on him. The best, oh my, my favorite God. was him with the dog saying, "Here's Senator Rubio with his cat." And people had a lot of fun. They did at his expense, uh, and it Twitter. was it was love a Twitter. stupid mistake, especially because John Lewis was such a legend and um, and deserved a little bit more. I mean, what was what, hard to see was all these people who have been blocking the protections that John Lewis had sought to have in terms of voting rights and other things. And, you know, uh, sort of larding on the, we're so sorry, we're so with him. He's so important when in life they blocked him at every turn. So it was, that was kind of, that to me was worse. I don't want to hear from Marco Rubio on this guy. I just like, uh, in weird ways, people were waiting for President Trump to say something and he is the president, so we should. I was sort of like, well, he's, at least he's being honest. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I agree. I don't think. I don't think. Do you think Representative Lewis would want the president saying anything about? No, him? I, I don't yeah. know. I think there's a presidential. Th- See, it's all gone now. It does. It doesn't matter. Like, yes, yeah. in some ways, and no, in others. But there's some the office, and then, it, but that's gone. That's gone. It doesn't really matter. I mean, like, think of speaking of gone. What did you think of that Chris Wallace thing that was also all over social media uh, in pieces? Chris Wallace sure is a good interviewer. Boy, oh boy. I, I, I think Chris Wallace is fantastic. I do too. Um, I think he's got a lot of integrity. I think he's a great interviewer. Um, yeah. I think he, you know, everyone get, compares him to his father, but I think he fills his father's shoes. I think he's and more. A, yeah, he's, he's, I think he's fantastic. I think he's kind of turned into, if, and I can't wait for the action for you, but I think he is, if there is, the conscience of Fox News. I think he yeah. shows up. He's a real journalist. And uh, anyway, I, I have just have a ton of respect for him. And I think he manages it's a tough line or it's a tough needle to thread to come mm-hmm. across as respectful to the president. You do have to respect the office. Sure. But to just say politely, no, that's that's not accurate. We don't have the low, we don't have the best mortality rate in the yeah. world. Yeah, that's just not true. And then all these people running that. back and forth with pieces of paper. Yeah. The whole thing was, <laughs> yeah, I heard just, that we did. I heard that we did. It was really an embarrassment of an interview. And it was, and by the way, Chris Wallace did a great job because it wasn't, it was very respectful. Um, I think the only thing that he did, that he took a, he did do a dunk, which I, I thought was fantastic is when the president was bragging about passing what is a very, I have taken that cognitive test many times. Um, that it's an, Why it's quite, you a, taking that kind of, that's I just do stroke? it. I'm just obsessed. When I have to write a stroke, I took it a bunch of times. Um, and and, isn't the test like, is this, does this monkey have a tail? I mean, it's pretty, it's no, not, it's not, it's, 
it's, it's, it's not, it's not hard. Chris Wallace is right. It's not hard. It's not a hard test, but if you had cognitive difficulties, it would be hard. You know, it absolutely would be hard. Um, you have to memorize five things and then remember them five minutes later and, you know, stuff like that. Um, and, and what, what these, there's one where you do count backwards by whatever a number 12 or, and it was seven in this case. And so the president's like, they're really hard questions. Like at the later, he goes, you mean, he goes, you have to talk back from a hundred. And so by seven and the president kept going on and Chris Wallace started going 93, 80, whatever. Right. I heard the president paid someone to take it for him. Did you hear this? He paid someone to take the SAT for him. I wish I'd known that was a service. I would have done that. Anyway, let's move on from Marco Rubio. Mark Zuckerberg pictures in Hawaii in uh, zinc oxide. Was that real? Was that actually real? No, he was doing it. And listen, I put out a tweet saying, stop it. Like, as usual, because I did this with Bill Maher. Uh, stop attacking for his looks. Stop. Yeah, he was I actually agree. wearing the right sunscreen. Guy, and he was we wearing, need sunblock. I mean, look at us. We need sunblock. I know. He was very light skinned. I thought that was like really like, look, it, it, it was an odd looking picture. There's no question, but it doesn't have anything to do with him. And I really, nah, people don't get over that. And I, then I got the, he spews hate all over the place. We can spew hate at him. I said, if you don't like the hate he spews, spewing hate on him and that about his looks. You know, I just, I have a line with the looks thing. Although yeah. I have done it, and I feel bad when I do it. I just don't like it. I, think I like can... objectifying people for their looks. I think it's an incredible pastime. I think we're a visual species. And I figured I out I can okay. no longer objectify women's looks, so I just objectify men. Okay, that's my, so Mark my Zucker, superpower. Calling the Joker stuff. I like, think that's funny. No, really? That's not nice. I think it that's feels like nice. schoolyard. It feels like a kid, you know. Yeah, I, 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 my, you don't my, want to discourage the use of sunblock. You don't. That's what I say. He's doing it. He was on an electric surfboard. I don't even know what that is. And apparently it was like dunking on oh, that. Yeah. That's fine. Dunk on him for the electric surfboard. The limits of my fathering is every time the kids say goodbye to me, I'm like, do you have sunblock on? That's my fathering. Really? That's where it begins and ends. Do you know what I say every time? What? Especially my oldest son, because he's such a like a big wet noodle. He's so lovely. We say I love you every time we leave each other. That's nice. We That's do. I don't nice. know why. We've gotten into this habit. We, ha- we have to say Well, it. maybe because you love each other and you realize it's some we point We do, but it's dead. like gotten to be like a, we won't leave without saying, like he'll run That's back really in nice. and say, I forgot to say I love you. It's really sweet. It's, um, that's, that's, I think that's, I do something very similar. I kiss my boys and it's the nicest thing in my life. Yeah. Anyway, let's not dunk on Mark Zuckerberg for his sunscreen. Let's dunk on him. Let's start for... kissing Mark Zuckerberg every time <laughs> no, we see him and he says goodbye and tell him we love him. Suing Native Hawaiians for their land. That's, that's a an, good it, luck. That's a good story. That's a good That's luck. a dunkable. <laughs> the, the, the Facebook thing where they're, they think they like did something around climate deniers. They were back in class. Joel Kaplan was somewhere wandering around. Like, let's dunk on Joel Kaplan, but not his sunscreen. <laughs> Yeah, but is Thank this you. really – is this the media wrong with this or is there any veracity to the story that Mark Zuckerberg has decided to sue uh, – what is it? Uh, Hawaiian – I mean, yes. it's something – it's know. like There's Monty some- Burns. It's just- He's been fighting on land. Or- There's a whole land ownership thing going on there. He's trying to buy quite a lot of land. And interestingly, you know, Mark, Mark Benioff had a kerfuffle over land. I don't recall. It was many years ago. And uh, he has a big estate there. And Steve Case owns half of Hawaii. He was he's in he's from Hawaii. Yeah. Um, and so there's a you know this is a very uh, this is a really tense situation. And Mark coming in there and doing stuff. He was trying to keep people off the beach. I don't remember all of it, but it was it had to do with a beach and not going. And I I drove over and kind of looked at it when I was there. I love Hawaii. I think it's a wonderful it's place. Gorgeous, wonderful. Um, and I went over and looked, but there was no. I wanted to sneak onto his land. You have to go around things. And, I'm sorry, uh, you were trying to sneak on. No, you were trying to sneak, sneak on his land. Get on the beach. <laughs> I was trying to figure out a way to get on the beach, but I would have like died, and then I would have been found, and it just, it just the whole thing would have been bad. Yeah, that is bad. So, 
Anyway, but, uh, he's got some other. Yeah, he shouldn't. He has a big kerfuffle going on with the with with the people in Hawaii. Some of the people in Hawaii, and it's worth r- reporting on. That's worth reporting on. This sunscreen thing is not. Um, so, lastly, uh, the House is beginning to debate is the National Defense Authorization Act. Uh, and a lot of them should be wearing sunscreen, by the way, in that there is a GOP-backed amendment that would ban federal employees from downloading or using TikTok on any government device. That continues uh, this week after I wrote a column this week about my burner phone and TikTok. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think this is an interesting case because it will lead into our next story, our, our big story. But this this growing sort of um, it's become their little political thing to try. I don't think it's going to work with the American people necessarily, but. It's interesting that they need to see what they're trying to go for to win here. And I don't know if this is a winning. I don't think beating up protesters is a winning thing. I don't think uh, ignoring COVID is a winning thing. I don't think this is one either. What do you think? Well, we're just, it seems like we're just as as quickly as possible ceding global leadership to China. And yeah. China could uh, uh, bite dance slash TikTok if, if and when, not even if, but when they go public. I think what they could do is we could try to ban them. I think Americans are selfish enough that uh, we'll, they'll figure out workarounds and they'll continue to use it. They don't care what the government tells them to do or not to do. Right. It, this this platform has so much momentum right now. And right. one of the more staggering statistics is I read people are spending more time on TikTok than they are on Instagram, which yeah. absolutely blew my mind. And interest are doing this Instagram screens, you know, they're doing a copy, but go ahead. But so, so they get, so we officially ban them, whatever that means. And then they go public on the Hong Kong or um, the Shanghai exchange, and it becomes the sixth or fifth most valuable company in the world. And it'll just be another data point in the line that is China usurping our position as an economic and geopolitical power. So or, I don't. Or pardon? they go public in the US. That's what I, that's why I posited in my column that this is like an all set up. Well, I, I thought that I've said this before. I think they hired Kevin Mayer. A lot of their staff is in the U.S. TikTok was a U.S. company that was made out of Musical.ly. Right. Um, I think they go public. They have a really unusual corporate structure from what I understand. It's not based in China, even though it's founded in China. I think it's based in one of the islands. And so it's a lot of people say in their privacy thing is that some of the data can go back to the parent company, but it can't exactly, apparently, something. Anyway, they can fix this all by spinning it off, going public as a U.S. company, and being separated from from the main company by dance. Um, to me, that and then it creates a real counterweight to Facebook. I do think if if they got bought, they could buy Snapchat. If they if they got went public, they mm-hmm. could do a lot of things because they really are onto a secret sauce of real entertainment. I don't think this administration would let them acquire Snap, but um, well, in any case, they yeah. they go public in the U.S. It sort yeah. of removes the the attacks really quickly. I think. God, I can't imagine think? how many bankers are trying oh. to co- cozy up to. Is his name Kevin? The new Kevin CEO. Mayer. Yeah, yeah, it's a great idea. I think that's what I will see. Yeah, I think they're going to do it. This is it's one of my predictions. I think they're going to, I made a prediction last week on that. And I do think also that it creates a counterweight to Facebook in a really interesting way. And the Facebook can try, it, you, you know, Snap is doing really well this week. The stock is up. A lot of people are recommending it. Um, Twitter's up actually too. Um, I think it just, there needs to be a counterweight to Facebook. And the, to me, this is the one, if it's done properly, if it's in the U.S., uh, it has an ability. But you're right, they could go public. on. I don't think you're going to go public in China. I think that just adds, because they're having troubles in London now, um, hmm. and they're talking about creating a separate entity in London. I, I think they just need to end Chinese ownership, and everybody gets the money. That's my feeling. 
Yeah, well, if you, I mean, it's an interesting thought because if you go public and there's a lot of people, the idolatry of money is a pretty powerful fighting force. And yeah. if a lot of people own the stock and they get a pop, it creates a lot of misplaced or not goodwill towards the company. I like that. I think you're right. Yeah. I think a, an IPO feels very strategic for them right now. Yeah. And then they really have some some currency. Anyway, we have to get on to big stories. Jack Ma's ant group, which is related to this, is going public in Shanghai and Hong Kong markets, but is bypassing New York. As tensions rise between the U.S. and China, billionaire Jack Ma is listing uh, one of the world's most valuable startups closer to home. The move would bring more global investors to Hong Kong and make mainland Chinese companies an even larger part of the city's $5 trillion stock market. Back in 2014, the e-commerce giant Alibaba, which was spun off of the Ant Group, went public in New York and raised $25 billion. It is the second largest IPO in history. Meanwhile, this year, the Senate passed legislation that would force U.S.-listed uh, Chinese companies to delist from the American Stock Exchange uh, if their audit work papers weren't inspected by U.S. regulators for three consecutive years. Um Really, it's the, you're right. Talk about this idea of developing a different power base in China, whether it be on the Shanghai Exchange or the Hong Kong Exchange. Well, we just have a tendency to see ourselves as the only game in town, and mm-hmm. it's not true at all. And Ant Group is this thing, just this is juggernaut. Um, they own the popular uh, mobile payments network Alipay, and mm-hmm. they've said, "Look, if you don't want to embrace us, you know, when you walk into." If you've ever gone into a hotel and you see that thing on the back of the wall, we were talking about this, and it says this is the full rack right. rate. Right. I think a lot of foreign investors, foreign companies, um, uh, people who come over here on student visas and pay full freight in colleges, uh, you know, it, it's one thing to pay full freight. It's another thing to pay the full rack rate when the owner of the hotel is blatantly bigoted and, and harasses you. And mm-hmm. I, I think that these guys... I think China looks at the U.S. and says, "Okay, it's the biggest market, but the rest of the world is also a very big market. Sure. And we can we can go public, bring more credibility to uh, local markets. All of these companies are pretty tightly aligned with the ruling party there, and I'm sure they're Mm -hmm. advocating for them to go public on the Shanghai market. And you're going to see a ton of news. It'll just be another another nail or another signal of our decline when this company, when these companies start choosing other exchanges, our financial markets have always been the most robust. We, we benefit tremendously. And the most attractive for people to come to. Yeah. And they, we have the best, we typically have the best governance. Right. We have the rule of law. We have, you know, the SEC was kind of the gangster regulatory body around, around reducing the likelihood that the thing was a total Ponzi scheme. And well, we that's switching. We've lost our, our credibility during this administration. Did you see the cover of Der Spiegel with Trump with a match and everything burning? You know, called him the fire devil, essentially. I love Der Spiegel. I love Der Spiegel. Der Spiegel. Mostly Spiegel. I love saying it, but I love yeah. Der Spiegel. Well, in any case, they that, I, I just tweeted the cover and I got like crazy amounts of... What was really interesting is that even though, let me just say, there was an interview with, I think, the Chinese ambassador on the uh, British uh, stations here that, that like handed his head to him. He was saying there's no concentration camps in China, et cetera, et cetera. But we have no credibility given Portland, you know what I mean? And things Trump says is we we've no lost... Authority. It, yeah. We have no moral authority. Like we are losing moral. We don't. We have moral authority. We have. We're losing it rather quickly. And I think that you're right. There's this. It's an economic opportunity. The minute they get an economic step up, we're really. It's really problematic for. I'd be interested. We should probably have someone from one of the exchanges on um, to talk about this issue because I think it's really. 
you know, he may have been pressured to do it on um, on the Chinese stock exchange, but it didn't. It doesn't seem like there's any plus to doing it here right now, given the tensions. The exchanges are are dying, and there's half as many stocks on the exchanges as there were 20 or 30 years ago. That's uh-huh. an expensive process to go public. There's all sorts of regulation and lockups. So a lot of a lot of companies are going direct, but more than anything. The majority of the gains have been captured by the private markets because you can get liquidity. There's a very yeah. robust finance market. It used to be if you wanted to raise two, three hundred million bucks or even more than 50, you had to go to the public markets. And if you wanted a liquid currency to acquire companies, now you can get all of that and more in the private markets. So companies are staying private much longer in a small group of, you know, t- kind of institutional wealthier, you know, kind of old white guy clubs are capturing the majority of the gain. So pub, the public, the retail investor is missing out on the majority of the upside. It's kind of, it's it's an unhealthy attribute. Yeah. So the exchanges are going to have to rethink themselves. It'll be very interesting to see if the New York Stock Exchange ever even opens up again, because as you we talked about before, it's become a movie set. But the exchanges are, are, as businesses, the New York Stock Exchange and the NASDAQ, as exchanges, they're just not doing well. Yeah, I agree. And New York, it's interesting. It is a movie set. I, I can't go in there again, I think. It was so, I, it felt like virus before. Like, I don't know if you've been there, right? Yeah, a like, lot. That's where I, I used to like, go on CNBC every morning What's before I was here? banned. Has this been clean since the 20s? Like, I, I'm a little bit of a neat freak and an OCD, but I was always like, oh, not so nice. Although I like that Carl Keaton a lot. Uh, but you're right. This is a real opportunity for China in lots of ways. I do still think something like TikTok will go public here for in order to, to, to create lots of money and for lots of investors. And that really does. There, there's going to be pressure from this country, even if it's a Biden administration on China uh, going forward. They are our rival 100 percent. We have to get retake at least the moral ground first and then the economic ground. Um, All right, Scott, let's go on a quick break and come back to talk about the fallout from the Twitter hacks and a friend of Pivot from the Lincoln Project about their ads trolling Donald Trump. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Okay, Scott, we're back. We talked last week some of Twitter's most high-profile people and high-powered user accounts were hacked. You were upset that you were not hacked. Nope. Um, let's talk about the fallout. Um, it's unclear how Twitter's most prolific hack in the company's history happened late last week, but everyone from Elon Musk to possible future President Joe Biden were compromised. In a statement over the weekend, Twitter said the hackers manipulated employees and used uh, their credentials to yeah. access Twitter's internal systems. There was someone named Kirk, someone named Plug Dog Joe or something. They say attackers took additional steps of downloading the account's information through their your Twitter data tool. Twitter says they'll be restoring access to account owners still locked out, beefing up security protocols, and rolling out more training of employees. I just, you know, their stock is doing really well this week, too, at the same time. I mean, this is, should they face additional regulations and punishment um, what do you, what do you make of it besides it needs a, a full-time CEO, but where do you, what, where do you think this comes down? It doesn't, people seem to have walked, walked right on by past this really quickly. 
Well, it, it, it's all relative when you see the stock's doing well. And keep in mind, I think the stock is mostly flat for the last several years. So it's not... It's highest since 2018, but go ahead. Yeah. It's it's the highest, but where was it in 2015? I mean, yeah. The company's dramatically underperformed on almost every metric relative to the other big tech guys. Um, the... Um, look, I... The, the the weird thing is these guys were neither that creative um, nor that greedy. Because if you think mm-hmm. about what they could have done here, no, if yeah. they, they hacked Uber's account, if they could have gone, they could have used an offshore account to buy a bunch of options on Uber and then under Uber's account saying, we're pleased to announce that we have been purchased by, uh, we're, we're entering into a transaction and, and we're going to be acquired by. Yeah, you know, Microsoft for sixty dollars a share, and the stock would have right. the stock would have spiked for a few minutes. Or if they, I mean, the geopolitical concerns are really frightening in terms of getting the president's account. If they got in Jay Powell's account and said, "We yeah. in an emergency meeting of the Fed, we've decided to hike interest rates one hundred and fifty basis basis points because we're seeing all sorts of signals around inflation, the markets yeah, could have crashed." They could have done all kinds of stuff. Yeah, we've let this. It's got to be, you know, it's become a utility in a lot of ways for a lot of people, for information flow, for sure. And I think that the, the question is, how how unhackable can they make it? But that's, on some that's level? the point. It's not, I don't even think it's Twitter's fault. It, when you talk about utility, well, a utility this feels a little bit. A utility is the Read right. Read the New York Times piece. It's pretty disturbing, but go ahead. A utility is the right analogy. And that is, if you have a nuclear power plant, there's tremendous regulation to ensure that that power source and the dangers surrounding that power source aren't co-opted by by bad actors, or in this case, what feels like kind of like pranksters. It almost feels sort of fraternity-like. Yeah, it was the, like $180,000 they made. Yeah, big deal. They, they're not that creative or that greedy. But because this thing isn't regulated, because it's not that secure, at the bottom line is people shouldn't, uh, people shouldn't be using it as their primary means of communication on important yeah. matters. They just shouldn't. Yeah. They, they should have other means of secure communications, because this means this channel is not secure. Well, as I've said, I don't think the president should be doing things on it as much as he does. Because, you know, again, you don't know whether, what he's saying because some of his stuff is nutty. Like, right? And so you don't know which is which. You could easily – I think they must have so much security around his account. That yeah, I, supposedly I, they do. Supposedly they do have additional levels of security around his yeah, account. Yeah, and they're watching it not just for protecting him if he starts to do something real nutty um, to turn it off. I think they have, the, they have that in place, too, from what I understand. But what – but what, what's important here is to understand that, that the, these kind of things, the way we've allowed it to happen, to get this, your Twitter, Twitter data thing is more important. What did they get in terms of DMs? What did they get in terms of private communications? Right. It's not yeah. just the public ones and publicly saying something like, Joe Biden, yes, I am idled, addled or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's the it's what's in the data that, that they downloaded and the DMs. I, I used to DM quite a bit on Twitter. I don't do it, except, you know, every now and then I'll send one to Mark Cuban saying, nice job uh, dunking on Ted Cruz or something like that over this kneeling thing. But I try not to do too much on it mm-hmm. um, because of that. Because I'm one, because I don't want to fuck it up like a lot of people. You remember, remember the COO kept sending out DMs as public? Do you remember that? You, you know, just don't want to be Anthony Weiner part two. <laughs> I know. I'm not going to take a picture of my thing. Thank you. Yeah, the tweet. One tweet <laughs> kind of changed his life, didn't it? Oh, one tweet. Come on. That was a be- pattern of behavior. That I know, but it was the one falling. that got out. Oh, um, that guy. That guy's got a problem. He's, he, oh, you he, think? He's, you yeah, think I do. Dr. Swisher? You think well, Anthony Weiner has I a problem? I think it wasn't a one tweet. It was like he continued to like misbehave. Like yeah. He just moved from tool to tool how he was doing it. Um I don't want to talk about Anthony Weiner. I, I don't. True know. story. My friend, my first my, friend in New York tried to set me up with Huma Abedin. Is that her name? Oh, when yeah. I met her. She's so great. lovely woman. 
She's lovely. Wait, yeah. you went on a date with Huma? No, when? they they she you know she met me and it's like no way she has good judgment. <laughs> but my friend said, oh, you got to meet my friend Huma. You guys would like each other. And we met at a party, had a lovely conversation, and she she's wanted great. nothing to do with me. She's really interesting. She gets a lot of flack, but I like her. She's very she, funny. She's, she's more very... into the perverted elected types. I'm just oh. one of those. I have not been elected. <laughs> you don't fit that. You fit that. I'm half of that. You're half. I'm of half that. of that. <laughs> All right. So give me like, so Twitter, what should they do? What what are the repercussions? Should they be like investigated it? No, I think there's a fairly simple solution here. And that is when I'm on the NYU Stern grading site and I submit final grades, I have to Mm -hmm. go through two and sometimes three factor authentication. And that is I get, you know, a phone call, I press a button and it says, okay, it's, it's the guy, whoever's, if someone's hacked his account, they also have his phone. And then we used to have verbal uh, authentication. They don't do that anymore. Verification. They need to take, they need to identify and flag accounts that have, could have outsized impact on the economy, on social unrest, Mm -hmm. on, you know, war, things like that. Yeah. And there's probably, I don't know, a couple thousand of them and they need to put in place a department and wouldn't be that hard. I can't imagine it would be that many engineers and say, all right, anytime they put out a communication, there's going to be a a, a lag, but we're going to do some form Uh of two-factor authentication. But who do they decide to do that for? Well, they they could figure that out. I think there's a series of criteria. One of them, Nicki Minaj is pregnant. Let's like wait. Well, okay. And see I don't she's think it's. Uh, for example, I don't think it's size is, they're following. I don't think Kim. If Kim Kardashian says our birds are in the air, we're bombing South Korea, or we're bombing Let Seoul, or whatever. I, I don't think anyone cares. I don't think, well, yeah. Kim doesn't have her hand on the button, and and you know. But if it's if it's any member of the Fed, any president, the president of the Dallas yeah. Fed, Robert Kaplan, who's a thoughtful guy and can move markets, you double authentic, you know, you double, yeah. double and triple authenticate anything he puts out. And it, it wouldn't be that hard to put in place. So, so I, I think these guys lack ima- imagination and they lack the will. What about regulation? Maybe they're just waiting for some kind of regulation. <sighs> Well, regulate. You've always said this. Regulation is a blunt force. I think they're, they'd yeah. be smarter to put out something themselves first. Yeah, and try and head it's it true. off of the they, pass. They're a small staff. You, they're not that big. They're not. Everybody. Facebook's the only big game in town. I mean, yeah. I think that's. They have to decide where to put their resources. Obviously, so yeah, they've got. They got. A, there's so many wildfires at this company. You know what I mean? And they're and they're actually trying to do things. I think it's quite. Different. But what's interesting is the markets really don't seem to care. To your they point, don't. the markets they don't. don't really. Look I mean, at all these tech stocks are up. In yeah. any case. Uh, in any case, they definitely should get their hands around it because, you know, you may not have someone like Trump, but Trump is going to be here going forward. Uh, Biden may not be that kind of thing. But everybody, these, these are really important things to to, to, to understand that, that going forward, all public figures will be using Twitter, at least until something else comes along to communicate. And in that vein, we are going to have a friend of Pivoton uh, who has been using social media to take down Donald Trump. Rick Wilson is the co-founder of the political action group, The Lincoln Project, and a longtime Republican political strategist. You may have seen one of The Lincoln Project's brilliant ads skewering the president. Now Trump's bureaucrats are promising to send their thugs everywhere. Your town. Your neighborhood. This is how it starts and how freedom dies. Unless we stand up. Unless we speak out. Unless... We demand justice. Register and vote November 3rd. Because if we don't, we know how it ends. Welcome, Rick Wilson. Thank you, Kara. I appreciate you having me. So I want to talk a little bit about, we're going to get into a lot of things. Um, Let's start actually 
by the genesis of this, you guys have really, your, your use of social media is astonishing. I don't know who's doing your actual social media. It must be someone, a younger person, I'm guessing. Um, but maybe not. Um, it's and a 78 year old woman from Poughkeepsie. No. <laughs> <laughs> she's, well, she's rather clever. Um, so talk a little bit about sort of strategically. We're, we talk about tech a lot and media both, mm-hmm. but talk about strategically. You've used social media quite adeptly in terms of not just tweeting, but putting these ads out, getting millions of, uh, of views and stuff like that. So you created a real uh, being talked about, at least, uh, on social media. So talk a little bit about that. Well, one of the things, Kara, that we are all uh, born from in modern politics is television advertising. And mm-hmm. for decades, that was still the singular uh, point of, of persuasion in the American electorate. Um, but all of us also realized we were also fairly early adopters to, to digital, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, paid digital advertising. Al- almost all of us. I- I'm, I'm platform agnostic where you see my message, whether you see it on a, 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 a Twitter video feed or a Facebook page or, or a YouTube link or a television ad or a cable ad or a pre-roll video. I now have the tools to measure where I'm hitting. I know who I'm talking to. Uh, and and as a group, we decided very early on that using our fairly meaningfully large social media voices, um, we could amplify what the Lincoln Project was doing. And especially in this phase of the campaign, which is not a heavy tonnage uh, air war on paid media. Right now, we're, mm-hmm. we're working- It would be television, you mean? Well, television, television. and digital- but right now we're working to to shape the campaign narrative, which we believe we're very successful at doing. We're working to uh, play into Donald Trump's you know, whole portfolio, this constellation of psychological weaknesses that Trump uh, displays every day. And every time we're able to do that, it takes his campaign off track, costs him time, mm-hmm. money, space in the in the electorate. And there's, you know, there's one fixed item you will never get more of in a campaign. You can always buy more media. You can raise more money. You can do more events. You can't get a day back that you lose. And we're very good at taking him off course and, and having him lose a day here, a day there. Quick questions you spent around. Why didn't you do it before? Like, what, where was the luck? Because he was adept at, at digital. He was more adept. Uh, and secondly, what is the, how do you come up with the ads? How do you decide? You're just trying to, to me, it seems like you're trying to occupy parts of his brain like you, you do them very quickly we do them very like within we, hours we, we do them very quickly we have a production a, a super lean production system um you know our, our the, the 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 group comes up with you know what we know is moving the day and what we want to move during the day and also you know he presents targets of opportunity constantly this guy shows you his mm-hmm. throat all the time in this battle um we move very quickly we amplify very quickly and we understand that that there are people who don't look at us as the traditional super PAC because mm-hmm. we don't do all the things that a traditional super PAC does. We don't spend weeks message testing every single ad. We don't spend weeks, you know, wondering about policy questions. There is no policy with us. We are we are here. Uh, you know, we're submarines roving the ocean. We're not mm-hmm. we're not here to to be the Heritage Foundation or Brookings or anybody else. We're here to help defeat Donald Trump. And so we stay focused on that. And that makes our mission um, a lot easier in many ways. 
when you come up with an ad, so like, for example, the Chris Wallace interview, it's full of things is, to go for, is. right? So it's like, I mean, it's either you or Sarah Cooper are going to take, take <laughs> you know, this is like yeah. a real thing. But what's the strategy behind one? Why do you, what, what's the, what's the metric of success for each ad? Well, so we do ads in three big columns. The first column is the audience of one, psychological warfare mm-hmm. with Donald Trump. And those are the okay. ads that most people see and talk about and share. Those are the ads that right. most people say, oh my God, Donald Trump just spent 10 minutes on a stage basically trying to refute the fact that the Lincoln Project said he couldn't walk down a ramp. Um, mm-hmm. Those ads in that first column are are very much meant to disrupt his campaign at a meaningful level. Look, we did it this this last week, the proof of concept. We've turned Parscal into a verb by running mm-hmm. ads against Brad Parscal that Donald Trump saw. And we didn't care mm-hmm. if America saw them. I care if Donald Trump watched them because he can't turn mm-hmm. Fox off. He's addicted to it. I know where to feed him. And so when we built the Parscale ad, we went after, you know, we spent, I don't know, maybe 12 grand producing it and maybe, I don't know, another six or eight on TV just because mm-hmm. we knew Trump would watch it. And so the, the, the way we score our operations on that first column is observable behavior by the president. And those are, those are things we can absolutely see and, and, and read back because we know he fired mm-hmm. Brad Parscale. We know what mm-hmm. happened. We hear from inside the White House and from inside the campaign all the time now. And there's a great rule of thumb in politics. And it's probably, probably scales to business too. Good organizations leak on purpose. Bad organizations leak because they're bad organizations. And the Trump campaign and the Trump White House are bad organizations. And so we are able to know very quickly what happened, how badly that affected Trump, how much he you know lost his mind about whatever we did that day or that week. So those things are very uh, measurable for us. We know by his mm-hmm. behavior, we know from internal information. And a campaign doesn't have long windows where they can just sit and go, okay, well, we'll just reorganize this week. We'll just do the wiring diagram differently this week. Those campaigns are you know, they live and die every moment. And so, mm-hmm. you know, for the next week to 10 days, Bill Stepien will be trying to replace Brad Parscale inside a large dysfunctional organization. And we know we did that. Um, or helped do it. You know, he was, he, that Tulsa thing wasn't a very good, well, you good know, thing. And his hundreds of Brad, interviews, but you scratched an itch. Yeah, you scratched Brad, an Brad, itch. Brad, again, you know, when somebody on an, on an opposing campaign shows you their throat, you, mm-hmm. you know, you're obliged to go. So the second tier of advertising is to litigate the case against Trump, which we're doing very broadly. And we're doing that in a lot of different states, a lot of different markets, a lot of different, a lot of different audiences. This is again, not the phase of the campaign where we're going to go out and drop million dollars a day in Florida or, or Wisconsin or Iowa or Arizona yet. Um, because any organization will go broke really fast spending that much money in places where the vote will be decided, historically speaking, in the last three to five weeks. During the early voting window, things will start changing very rapidly. So that persuasion stuff that we're doing comes down to three big categories that we know are moving voters. We know the reason that an awful lot of voters have abandoned Donald Trump, especially in the suburbs, is his mishandling of the COVID crisis is I mean, across every public and private survey research instrument you choose to to look at, his handling of COVID has lost him voters, particularly with educated voters, independent suburban men and women, educated women particularly, um, 
and and women with children, particularly. Um, the second big tier that we know is also shattering Donald Trump is mm-hmm. is the, the 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 defense of the Confederate flag, the alt right, the mm-hmm. racism, the 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 thinly veiled you know racial animus that's hidden behind all of the immigration talk that has also damaged him rather painfully. Rick, over the last decade, I was fascinated when you were talking about media mix. If you had a hundred bucks to spend on just media, how has that media mix changed in terms of where you spend that money? And then if you, the second part of the question is if you could only go with one platform or channel to spend money, what would that be? So the mix used to be about, well, 20 years ago, obviously the Mm -hmm. mix was 99 to one or 99.5 to, you know. For TV, all TV, all TV, all, even all, direct subsuming, mail, subsuming even. broadcasting cable, you know, mm-hmm. direct mail as a persuasion tool mm-hmm. has been dead for decades. Hmm. Direct mail is good for raising money. And right. so you may do some yeah, persuasion in that some voter turnout in that, but it's mostly about um, direct mail is mostly about fundraising. And, mm-hmm. and even that is, you know, dying off because email fundraising. So it was all TV. What is it now? Break, break it up for us now. You got a hundred um, bucks. Where do you spend it? If I have a hundred bucks right now, I spend 30 bucks on cable. I spend mm-hmm. 35 bucks on digital. I spend 15 on, on broadcast. And then I do a mix wow. of other stuff out there, depending on the market and the audience. You know, look, there are still markets in this country. It sounds insane that are great for with radio. It's insane. Yeah, well, I that, that's uh, uh, just a couple of follow-up questions. Mm-hmm. If, if if you're just sequestered to the world of digital, what platform has the best tools? And I think I know I know what the answer is going to be. And also, are there are there any mediums that I've always thought so many people are abandoning digital? Uh, so many people are abandoning print and terrestrial mm-hmm. media. At some point, do the prices get low enough where they become yeah, more there, effective there, again? There will be a, there will be a tip over at some point where. That's you know, the 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 weird stuff that you would always like sort of laugh at. Like I'm not going to run full page right. newspaper. That's already insane. Right. I'm not going to run billboards. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Um, look the uh, the hellscape that is Facebook is mm-hmm. the most meaningful tool of political manipulation ever devised in the history of all mankind. It really is incredible, isn't and, it? And and yeah. so there will be a battle fought on Facebook. This year and probably next yeah. and probably the next and probably the next, as much as I truly believe it is, it should be destroyed, plowed into the earth and the ground salted where it once stood. Um, mm-hmm. That's where the <laughs> toolbox is. You know, it, it needs it, it sunblock, really, Rick. It needs why? sunblock. <laughs> but it's wearing sunblock, so it'll be just fine. What? Why is that? Explain for people why that is. I mean, why is it great from a political point of view? Right. And then why should it be? Well, it's great as a tool, right? You're it's great as a it's tool. It's a very effective what, tool. But what look, does it look, give you? Look, a, a chainsaw is a great tool when I go back in my swamp and cut down dead trees. It's a bad tool right. if I run into a Walmart with it. And Rick, and t- you should be in consulting. You are very good at this. <laughs> Your turn of phrase here. You are, I can, you make, I, something tells me you make a shit ton of money. You show up in an average shirt and you fly a G650 extended range. You got that right oh turn of God, phrase. Scott. Now Scott's going to want to be like, political you, you make, you make old white guys want to open their checkbook. Back on track. What, Sorry, what, what is good about it? What is good? What well, what's good about it is they have a suite of tools that allows you to segment and target your audience in ways that are yeah. enormously granular. Lookalikes. Um, you can yeah. voter file match people. You can now go out and match the cable and the rent track data to a lot of the Facebook data that's available. And it lets you send a person to, it lets you silo a person 
Not not a demographic group. Look, uh, 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 with cable, I can get you down into your neighborhood and your household eh, right. somewhat. With Facebook, I can make sure that the ads following you on your phone and on and, and on your computer and on your tablet are all telling you that unless you vote for Donald Trump, Antifa is coming to kill your dog. And right. and and right. what we've also learned about Facebook is it doesn't matter how verifiably false or ludicrous the message is. It doesn't yeah. matter. I could go on Facebook right now and buy a suite of ads that say, uh, Joe Biden is a secret lizard humanoid hybrid who is going that to- That was Hillary last cycle, right. but go it, ahead. Exactly. And, he, and, and I, that, that case seems lurid, but it was exactly what you were seeing on, on Facebook with Pizzagate. She murdered Seth Rich. Mm-hmm. She's a part of a global pedophile sex ring, right. all these things. And it's so ludicrous, but Facebook is- Facebook believes that their tool is morally agnostic. And especially because it's linked between advertising and content. Because if they remove the ads, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Correct. The content is the ad. Are the right. ads, and that's what the Russians do. They weren't buying Facebook right. ads as much as they were buying the ability to go out there and build enough, enough audience. So, so as a political strategist, don't you want Facebook to stay then? I mean, what do you use Twitter for? You use it for excitement and generating bots, Twitter, correct? Twitter is the, the, the tool of Twitter – is because the nation's political media ecosystem lives there. Right. Okay. The, you know, every reporter in America that's in the political space is active on Twitter in some de- like greater or larger degree. Facebook is more amorphous in terms of getting a single political message out to people that you're, when you're trying to um, push the dialogue forward on a message, that's the place you do it. Um, Anywhere else? Not for me personally. I mean, right. some people some people are still um, arguing that the transition to Instagram is where political comms is going. Eh, I'm agnostic about that. I don't I don't think it's there yet. Um, you know, I think it's still too many cute pictures of dogs and kittens, which is basically mm-hmm. what I post on Instagram. Um, I keep right. my political somewhat separate from my Insta, not not entirely, TikTok? but you know, the TikTok situation it's exploding. Um, there is a like a lot of these uh, sudden rise social media networks, I don't. I, I, I'm one generation behind being able to fully say that I can understand TikTok. Yeah. You know, I see it Got out it. there in, in enormous numbers, and I see it out there affecting a lot of younger uh, demographics. But the secret of younger voters is that they aren't voters. Yeah, they don't vote. Yeah. Right? I mean, the average person right. that's going to vote in this country is going to be about 56 years old. I, I, I have t- uh, two more things, and then Scott may have another question. One is Jane Costin of, of uh, Vox wrote a pretty tough article, mm-hmm. and many people have about. And you got killed by was it Colbert? <laughs> Colbert, uh, which was you, you. You took it rather well, I have to say. Um, but one of the things is you guys are spending too much money on yourselves. Uh, one is the thing, and that you're yeah, that's that you're you, you, and that you need to spend more money on the actual states and things like that. And the second one. Um, is that, uh, and I have raised this with you mm-hmm. and I've raised this with George Conway and stuff like that is that I joke about it. I'm like, I can't wait till we don't get along again, like in the, after Trump goes. And but a lot of the stuff you've done previously has been pretty ugly. Sure. Um, and so I, I look at these ads and I go, great job. You're getting Trump. And then I thought, oh no, they're going to turn this, these web, these, 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 these abilities. Let me, let me settle the Jane, let me settle people. the Jane issue okay. first. Right. Um, What's that, Jane? A lot well, of people. A, lot of, a number of people. M- many of our critics yeah. on the left and the right. And, and I'll tell you why some of our critics on the left are pushing this. 
because Democratic media consultants are getting the shit kicked out of them by their bosses. And they're saying, why aren't you making ads as fast as the Lincoln Project? Why aren't you hitting as hard? Because the average Democratic campaign, any media consultant gets 20,000 views on a YouTube video or a Twitter video, and they like do a victory dance and pop champagne. They think they've gone viral. You know, Mm -hmm. if we don't hit a million, we're like, what the fuck went wrong? Um, Right. But a lot of the folks that are talking about the way we're structured and the way we're doing this, this campaign, first off, they're looking at the first quarter numbers where when we started this whole thing off, we thought we'd raise a couple of million dollars, try to do an earned media play and beat up Trump. Well, mm-hmm. that's not how life turned out. We have taken off in a way that no one could have anticipated. And, right. and the fact that we, that, that we do our operations through an LLC that pays all the producers and the, and the vendors and the data people and everything else makes it look in a way that, that, that Jane and others have attacked. But the mm-hmm. fact of the matter is, you know, we've built an enormous organization in a, a couple of months and they, they're not looking at the second quarter number where we raised $16.8 million. And I think as of today, mm-hmm. we have 14, seven in the bank this morning. I mean, we are, mm-hmm. we are saving the resources for the fall fight. You know, look, the simplest thing in the world for me to have done way back in 2016 would have been to shut up. Okay. I would have still made a, a whole lot more money than I did on two best-selling books if I had just mm-hmm. shut my mouth. Instead, right. I grew a soul. And so we're in this fight. Now, the second part of this equation that's very simple is we've burned our boats. There is no Republican Party for us to go home to. There's no Burkean <laughs> conservative movement left in this country. The The party has been so thoroughly utterly compromised and destroyed by Donald Trump that uh, – look, if tomorrow Donald Trump and Mike Pence got eaten by wolves and you said, hey, Rick, reconstitute the Republican Party, I'd say no because the Republican Party in 2024 is going to be – the nominee is going to be Donald Trump Jr. or Tucker Carlson or Josh Hawley or Tom Cotton, one of these guys that thinks that the nationalist populism and statism – on the edges of Trump. Okay. Trump would be a much more terrifying figure. He's a terrifying figure. He would be an apocalyptically terrifying figure if he didn't have ADD and he was actually organized and could think about a project for longer than 15 minutes. Tom Cotton or Tucker Carlson as president should scare the shit out of people. And so we've committed, we're going to stay in this fight because we laid out a mission at the very beginning and our mission was to eliminate Donald Trump, to, to drive him from office. Easy. All right. I, I'm still scared of your evil skills, and I don't like some of your views, but that's okay. It's okay. I, I don't mind having a good debate. I, I, I'm going to ask you one more question. What is what is going to change in November? And then Scott can finish up. What what are you going to You're going to do more persuasive, more more wide ranging in lots of states. Well, we're going to be so so. Campaigns are always decided at the end. Nerds are following the campaign rigidly, attentively on Twitter and on cable TV. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Most American voters have a sort of amorphous thing right in their head right now. So yeah, it's like that Trump guy and that Biden guy, I don't know yet. And that's political behavior that iterates out over you know generations. We've seen that for, for many, many years. Um, 
they will start making a final decision, especially because the campaign can be can be altered by exogenous events. Look at 2016. Mm-hmm. You know, Hillary Clinton's right. emails and the Russia leaks were the exogenous event, October surprise of all time. So that's why you back end your your spending. That's why you back end your final messaging, your final litigation of the points. Um, but our map has expanded radically since we got into this game. When we started in December talking about this, we looked at Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. Those were the states that were going to swing. Ohio was even a long shot because it was fairly fairly red. Yeah. But now the battlefield that gives Biden and, and his allies like us, the calculus has radically expanded. So our ability to go into Arizona and Iowa and North Carolina and Georgia and and a whole bunch of other places has increased uh, very rapidly. And Trump's pathways to victory have narrowed very rapidly. So we will see this fight, you know, being waged and won, I think, at the end of the day in Florida, Arizona, and Ohio. Um but we're going to be we're going to be active in a bunch of other places because it's a game of very small numbers. People overlook right. the fact that the electoral college is not, you know, you're not trying I don't I don't have to go out and win, you know, beat Trump with 20 million voters. I have to go out and beat him with one electoral college vote. I'd prefer a lot more, but it's it's a narrow path. With, 20 million will help too. It wouldn't hurt. Um but but I need to go out and make sure that the same thing that happened in 2016, where Trump won by 77,000 votes in three states and by less than 150,000 votes in the state of Florida, I got to ensure that that doesn't happen again. And so mm-hmm. if we can start blocking out places on the Electoral College map that he can't win, um, you know, that that adds to this, the, the security of, a, of what is shaping up to be a good year for Joe Biden and the Democrats. Okay, quick, uh, last question, so, Scott. Uh, Rick, just advice. Advice to an old person and a young person. Say you're an old person that is a Florida resident, has a little bit of time and a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. What should that person do if they buy, if they agree with you that this march towards autocracy is frightening? What counsel, counsel a 55-year-old white guy who's committed to, to helping flip Florida on how he could best allocate his small amount of time and money this fall? Well, I would say in that regard that the, the most important thing people can do beyond beyond the donations to whoever you want to support, mm-hmm. um, COVID has reconfigured political grassroots campaigning fundamentally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most campaigns uh, have a metric where they want to touch a persuadable voter with email, mail, digital ad, TV ad, five to seven times in the closing five weeks, six weeks. Mm-hmm. COVID has changed all the door knocking stuff. We're not going to do that this year. We're not going to go out and organize canvassers in neighborhoods and drive people to the polls. None of that's going to happen. So, you know, digital organizing and sharing because the devil machine that is Facebook allows people to talk about, you know, messages that can be supportive of Joe Biden. And, and if Biden continues to do the campaign the way he's been doing it, it makes it easier for that 55 year old white guy because he doesn't scare the shit out of people. Okay. Right. Donald mm-hmm. Trump's Donald Trump's dream this year was to select Bernie Sanders as his nominee. Trump would have won 44 states with Bernie Sanders okay. because Bernie is an ancient communist who scares the shit out of people. Yeah. And, and that's right. a shorthand. 
Do nothing Democrats work. Do that, nothing Democrats is that's a the, fantastic idea. Let so me, Demo, you, and you should let you do the mean ads. Just like well, let them just sit you know there what? quietly. The Biden's campaign and a lot of other groups have sort of tuned up their their edge. And if we're leading mm-hmm. the way on that at all, I'm proud to say, you know, we 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 don't bring anything with a dull we don't bring any dull knives to this fight. Well, there's a bunch of you. There's Republicans uh, versus Sure. Uh, and, and there are a lot party. of allied groups. In fact, we all went up this week. Um mm-hmm. I think we're spending a couple million total uh, in Ohio over a long-running program we're calling Operation Grant because we feel like Ohio yeah. is starting to soften for Trump. All right, Rick. Thank you so thanks, much. Karen. We really appreciate, right. it. appreciate keep it. Keep going. Keep going Every with those day. ads. We Every appreciate day. them. All right, All right thanks. thanks. Bye. Appreciate you. All right, Scott. That was good. We'll be back for wins and fails. Okay, Scott, wins and fails. I'm still scared of that guy. I don't know. He's going to come after me when yeah, he's done. Allied with the Russians, we can ally with Rick. Um, oh, God, I know. But you know what? They they, he has, they have a history, those people, of yeah. lots of stuff. But you know what? I'm going to say, I'm going to look. I don't know. I think, I think, I think moral clarity is a luxury we can't afford right that's now. That's true. I, that's I true. That's right. Anyone We're doing anything to, to get rid of anybody any but Trump. brothers but, in arms are my brothers right now. I know. I know. And sisters, excuse me. I know. It's ABT, uh, but... I'm worried a little bit about the anybody, but I, I do think they're doing amazing work, and I think they're very effective. They're very good. Very the good. thing I took away from that is, the, it, you know, the world belongs to the fast, not to the big, and I was just yeah. struck about how fast they are. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Um, do you have any wins? Uh, wins. Um, uh, oh, I have a fail. Kanye West's uh, first oh, political rally. Hunter rally. That was not good. Yeah, He's mean to Harry Tubman, so I, I can't vote for him. This is, like, ridiculous. Why do that? I know, I, I get that... That you know, you shouldn't have to. Nobody is is every. There are sacred cows and stuff like that. She's really a hero. I'm sorry. What a tough life. My son actually, I learned a lot of her when my son did a report on her in like sixth grade and ended up reading very widely to help him. I just feel like that. Why? Yeah, yeah. You got to win. Let's get. Let's bust you out of the Kanye hole. You got to win. Oh, win. Let me think. You start with yours, and I'll think about one. Uh, well, at this point, it's, uh, I mean, it's often re- repeated, uh, but worth repeating. Um, obviously, just a nod to the life of uh, Representative Lewis. Um, yes. Uh, and also, I think it's a win. I think it's a moment of reflection to also acknowledge that the arc of his life does, in many ways, represent a positive arc in, in the American story when he, yeah. you know, t- one of 12 kids born to a sharecropper was going to be, I think he was going to be um, a priest or a minister uh, or a minister and decided to go into social activism and, you know, had his head fractured, but never gave up on the importance of peaceful protest, was abused at the hands of governments and was very forgiving and brought a lot of empathy and grace that I think we could all take a page from. And when he started his quest, there were segregated lunch counters and and, you know, bathrooms. And we've made tremendous progress because of guys like that who or people yeah. like that, I should say, who are just tremendously brave and weren't thinking about their careers and weren't thinking yeah. about money and weren't thinking about their reputation. They weren't even thinking about their personal self in terms of their willingness to be injured. Uh, so, I look, it, uh, easy to honor him, but I also think it's a nice time to reflect that 
we still have a lot, the, you know, the, the struggle continues, but because of people like him, I think America yes, has amazing. made a lot of progress. And, you know, interesting, they, he, they, they, a lot of people retweeted a tweet he did in 2015 of an arrest in 1961 uh, in uh, Mississippi, where, and he tweeted, even though I was arrested, I smiled because I was on the right side of history. Yeah, Find a way trouble. to get in the yeah. way. Good trouble. I thought that was really a lovely. Yeah. I, sometimes social media makes me cry. It's like, that's really lovely. I hadn't seen that, and I was very moved by it. Um, uh, when, you know, someone who was not at all like, uh, John Lewis and, and has, has his ups and downs. I did like Mark Cuban's, um, tweet against someone in Texas, some radio jackass was giving me a hard time about if somebody, I am so ready to be on this year's Mavericks home stretch, so much promise, so much personality, but the minute one player kneels during an anthem, I am out. Surely Mark Cuban can lead the way for Mavs to do whatever gesture they wish without insulting the nation. This is this guy, Mark Davis. And Mark Cuban wrote, the National Anthem Police is in this country is out of control. If you want to complain, complain to your boss and ask why they don't play the National Anthem every day of the week before you start to work. And then he tweeted, bye, which I kind of liked. <laughs> yeah, he's good. Mark's I, I good. like when he does that, so that's a win to me. Uh, but Netflix there, there, Mr. Sir, Mr. Failed, had weaker than expected earnings. What do you, what do you, what do you think was Yeah, there? That, you, that was going to be my fail. So I predicted yeah. the stock would be up 10% after they announced earnings. Yeah. And no. it did make a dramatic move, but no, not... <laughs> Not the way I predicted. It was off 6%. And I made a kind of a rookie error in terms of accounting. I thought that because the production had been shut down, that the earnings would be massively inflated. And someone reminded me, uh, one of my colleagues at NYU said that those expenses are capitalized. So the impact is is amortized over a long period. And also, it's really kind of unusual. They, They beat on the top line. Their earnings, while they missed, were largely a function of the fact that they had a one-time uh, charge in California related to research and development tax credits. But the thing that took their stock down was they gave very weak guidance. And I think they're now in a position where they can underpromise and overdeliver. And I also think that the, the market absorbed what I'll call the uh, a little bit of fear, and that is they made a big announcement that I think hurt the stock, and that is they announced a co-CEO which is kind of the that's kind of Reed yeah. Hastings lifting his arm and starting to wave forever. goodbye. Yeah. And when you bring in a co-CEO, it's an elegant transfer of leaving. It's an elegant way to say, okay, well, it's getting late. And this guy and Reed Hastings, there's just no doubt about it. He's he's Epic. um just a, a genius. And he's gonna be one of my first and, interviews for the new podcast on at the New York Times. I've already arranged it. He's gonna be great. Uh, I agree. Ted Sarandos, who I've known for a very long time, and he started off very early with uh, and has been a critical part of the success of Netflix. A really interesting and affable guy, but also um, just a really interesting mind. And he was he's mm-hmm. the one around the, behind. He was in Hollywood. He was based in Hollywood and was really the one pushing all these different deals and doing all this creative and bringing a lot of different voices into the management staff. So I think he's a natural leader there. And I agree with you. I think, you know. Can I do I'm, an algebra of happiness? Something you said earlier in the show inspired me. Sure, go ahead. Can I get soft and gooey? Please. Uh, for our clothes, so my my algebra of happiness moment where you brought up about you and your son saying I love to each other. I, I have my closest friend. I was in Colorado. My closest friend, I don't see as much, Lee, came and joined us. And something, he's had such a huge impact on my life. He's one of the few people that makes me laugh out loud. But the, 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 the thing that inspired me are... What you said about you, you telling you and your son telling each other you love each other. I remember when Lee's dad came over to uh, uh, my fraternity in college. And this his father was this really rugged, handsome mm-hmm. kind of Burt Reynolds figure. And he walked in. He owned a furniture store. He was an entrepreneur. He had a Cadillac. 
And he just instinctively, he leaned over and he kissed Lee on the lips. And I'd never seen two men, they're Italian, kiss each other like that. And it was so natural. And it was really shocking. And I decided as I (laughs) had my own kids 30 years later, that as long as they would let me, I would kiss them. And we were in Colorado. Uh My nine-year-old gets up to go to the bathroom and he leans down and he just instinctively kisses me. And Lee goes, wow, your son, your son's kissed you. And it was such a nice moment for me. And I'm like, that's, that's from your father. And I was thinking... That was such a source of pride for me. And I was thinking that life is when you want to boast to your best friends, you don't you don't as much boast that you have people in your life that love you, but that you've built a life where you love others. And it was just such a nice moment for me. And as long I think men gotta take affection back. And as long as my my boys will kiss me, I'll kiss them. There you go. Anyways, algebra of happiness. Your life isn't about not only about how many people love you, but your ability to build a life where you love others. And my yes. friend Lee and his, his father kissing him. We men need to take affection back, Kara. Yeah, that, I'm not going to be kissing you at all. Just saying. That's that. not where this was going. <laughs> That's not. Where I'll, this was I'll going. give you a, a high five. Let's get. Let's move. <laughs> That's to high not five. where this was going. <laughs> I know. Although I am go. more drawn to you, knowing that you have, you have a coal mine. <laughs> That is sexy. That is sexy. Anytime there's a mountain of coal I could sit on if I need if need be. Anyway, we have to go. Don't forget, if you can't get enough pivot, we're gonna do live stream events for the month of August. We've sold over a thousand tickets. It's called Pivot School from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. We want five thousand. So make it happen, fans. You can get tickets at pivotschooled.com. There's also a link in the show notes. Don't forget if there is a story in the news and you're curious about it and want to hear our opinion on email us at pivot at voxmedia.com to be featured on the show. All right, I'll read us out, but you have to read all the ads. Today's show was produced by Rebecca Sananas. Fernando Finete engineered this episode. Eric Anderson is Pivot's executive producer. Thanks also to Drew Burroughs. Make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. And if you're an Android user, check us out at Spotify or frankly, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you liked our show, please recommend it to a friend. Thanks for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Vox Media. We'll be back later this week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. Kiss your boys. Kiss your boys. (laughs) Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply.